0: Have you ever thought about the fact that people in the church should have the healthiest relationships? After all, you've got a room full of people trying to look like Christ. So in theory, relationships in the church should be marked by love and joy and kindness, yet so often they are just as messy and just as broken as they are anywhere else. We decided that's not okay. So we sat down with some of our people and just started asking questions in an attempt to figure out where things have gone wrong. So if you felt for a while like there's something off about relationships in the church, you're not alone. And we'd love to invite you on this journey as we figure out what it looks like to do this well. Welcome to Something's Off. Well, welcome to episode two of Something's Off. I am your host, Joshua Story, and I'm joined once again by my co-host for the week, Brooke Seal. Brooke, how are you?
1: I'm good. Happy to be back. Let's uh, let's dive in.
0: Absolutely. So uh, in part two, we are having a conversation uh, with some guys. Last week, we talked to some women, um, and this week, we got to sit down and hear uh, the guys talk about their experiences. And I'll be honest, I, I thought they brought their A game.
1: Yeah, I, um, I would have to agree. Um, you're gonna notice when you listen that I was not there in real time because in case you forgot, regardless of when you're listening to this, COVID once existed um, and quarantine was a rule. And so I was in quarantine trying to love my neighbor well, um, but I got to listen back and I really thought the guys shared some really insightful stuff that was, that was cool to hear um, and get their perspective on. And so I hope y'all feel the same way.
0: Uh, yeah, no, I completely agree. Uh, there's some really good stuff in here, and we'll actually break it down at the end with a female perspective, uh, but let's not waste any more time. We'll dive straight in. Here is our interview with the guys. Well, all right, guys, welcome to the podcast. Good to see everybody. Uh, real quick before we start, uh, let's go around and say your name and where you're from,
2: just to put a voice with a name. My name is Colton Clanton, and I am from Elido, Texas. My name is Brian Burns, and I'm also from Alito, Texas. Nice.
3: And my name is Sai Sonder, and I'm from Fort Worth, Texas. Man, we have really branched out in this. Yeah, episode, come on, man! man. <laughs> Just 20 mile radius. <laughs> Just
0: world travelers over here. I love it. Um. Well, cool, man. There's so so many things that I want us to talk talk about today, uh, specifically about what is off with dating and singleness and all those things. But I think that in all of the shocks and frustrations, sometimes it's easy to kind of blow right past all the joys of the season that we call singleness. Um, starting off, tell me some of the things that you really enjoy or some of the things that have been fun about this current season.
2: Um, yeah, so one of my favorite Christian like singer-songwriters is this guy called Rich Mullins. Um, and he he was single for pretty much his whole adult life. And somebody asked him once, like, hey, man, what do you think about that? He said, you know, on the one hand, I'd love to have a wife. But as it stands now, I can pick up hitchhikers. (laughs) Um, You know, and he was joking, but I think there's kind of a kernel of wisdom there, right? And that I have some freedom to do what God has asked me to do without having to consult with very many people. Mm. Um, I don't have to ask anybody's permission or Seek anybody's, um, you know, blessing if whatever God wants me to do, is I can, I can pursue. I don't always, you know, take advantage of that, but at least in theory, um, I've got that freedom. Yeah, totally. That's really good. I mean,
0: anytime that you want to pick up a hitchhiker, you're welcome to do it, man. There aren't as many of them
4: in 2020. You know what? With the Rona <laughs> times, but. crazy. Yeah, I, I love that question of. Like, what are some of the joys in singleness? Because I feel like so often we get so caught in, like, what are the really sucky parts of singleness? Yeah, totally. You know, like, at least that's kind of, like, where my mind goes. A lot of the times, like, singleness is almost, like, a bad word or, like, a taboo word. Um, But really in, like, the season of singleness that I've been, uh, I've really noticed that the time you have is a gift, and you have so much more time when you're single. Because, like, if you want to have a healthy relationship as with anything, like you're going to have to put some time and effort into yeah, it. Totally. Um, and so to have a lot of free time, to be able to just give that up to other people and to pour into other people's lives is honestly really nice. Um, and I don't think we, uh, we talk about that enough. I think a lot of us take it for granted the kind of time we do have. It's like, how can I fill my cup more mm. rather than um, let that overflow into other people's lives? And so singleness is a really, really good and intentional and purposeful opportunity to get to do that in my own life. Yeah. to like, to like pour out
0: and not just kind of consume. Exactly. It's yeah. Cool. I like that. So thinking about this season, has anything come as a shock? Like when you think about your current state, has anything been shocking about being single in your twenties?
3: I would say for me personally, um, in terms of singleness is kind of going back to our last question, just the joys of it is, I feel like all oh, you guys summarize it really well. It's just it allows you just to have that devotion to God. Yeah. I mean, you're just all out for God, and it gives you time to explore your faith and who you are. Um, but sometimes it's not easy, right? And I think the biggest thing that God has taught me about singleness is that it's it's not always it's not always easy and it's difficult. And I've really seen my need for community. And I think a lot of people listening to this and I know you guys probably struggle with this too. Is some it's. Easy for us to feel lonely sometimes, right? And and you see God at the very beginning of Genesis says, he creates everything and he's like, and it's good, and it's good, and it's good. And he creates man and he says, that's really good. But then he says, then being lonely is is not good. Yeah, totally. And I think sometimes as when we're single, we can fall into that loneliness. Um, But really it's just the importance of community uh, when you're single. Yeah, totally. I think there's a level of shock that people have
0: when they realize, well, I'm a lot more lonely than I ever thought that I would be at this point in time, you know? And I think that it's important, too, to understand the difference between being alone and feeling lonely, right? You know, and Mm -hmm. the idea of, like, just because I'm single doesn't mean that I'm alone. Mm -hmm. And so how do I engage community, like you were saying, in a way that allows me to to realize that I can be single without being alone?
3: Yes, right. It's not... Like we're saying, oh, you're single, so you have to deal with me being alone. That's what's hard about it because that's not the truth at all. Sometimes yeah. we feel lonely. Totally. But even those who are married can feel lonely too. But God has called us into community, even if we're single, um, to do life with people. Yeah. Dude, that's really good. I
2: think for me, um, one of the things that's easy for us to forget is that um, as evangelical Christians, we have a culture too. Mm. Yeah, we've got expectations, we've got things we do, we have our own language, we have all kinds of things that are unique to us. And one of the parts of our culture that's hard is that I think that we probably tend to marry a little bit younger than the outside world. (laughs) Yeah, Um, Yeah, that's fair. You know, and so as you make it through your 20s and even in my case into my early 30s without finding a wife, it's hard to... Move aside from the idea that, oh, maybe something's wrong with me. Mm. You know, why mm-hmm. haven't, uh, why hasn't she come yet? And um, so, I think that the thing that has been surprising for me is that you know I didn't expect to be single this long, but here we are. But um, God has been, God has been faithful and kind. Um, you know, and and that's been good. But frankly, I'm a little bit surprised to be single. I think we are the exception in some ways in our culture. And there's a um, it's just kind of our realities that a lot of us marry pretty young. And for those who didn't, it could feel a little bit um, isolating sometimes, if that makes any sense. Yeah, totally. You know, I, I got married at 30
0: and I felt that same tension of, you know, on a national statistics side, I was the average age of getting married, right? Like most people don't get married till later in life now, yet in our kind of a Christian bubble, that's like ancient. It's like, oh my gosh, like we're about to send you out to pasture. <laughs> like, you know, what's, <laughs> what's happening? And the reality is that really is a unique thing in the Christian culture where we feel in some ways less than if we don't get married or find someone by a certain age. What do you think, Brian, what are some of the things that people say or some of the little things that, happen that make us feel that, that way? Because I know that for me, just little phrases that people would say of like, you're so amazing. Why, like, why, why, like, why aren't you dating somebody? Right? Like those little phrases that are meant to be, I think affirming actually to me was a really detrimental thing because after a while I was like, I I don't know, like why, why don't I have someone?
2: Uh,
3: Yeah. uh, I also hate that one. (laughs) Um, If I knew for sure, I would have fixed it. (laughs) uh, Well, think about this. Whenever you become around family or friends, what's typically the first thing you get asked? Yeah, about relationships. Course, are you dating anybody? Yeah, yeah so yeah. what's changed? Mm-hmm. Yeah, who are you dating? What does the relationship the life worst. look like? Yeah, the worst.
2: Totally. Yeah, um, I would say maybe another thing that um, we could all stop saying as a kindness to one another is um, the old classic, once you stop looking, she'll show up. <laughs> <laughs> Um, just, I don't know if
0: that's a thing. I mean, the logic is sound, man. Once you stop looking for anything, you find it, right? Like
2: keys, Like a TV remote, man. Yeah,
4: totally. It's right. It's right. (laughs) (laughs) We're not comparing women to TV
2: remotes. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) We're not doing that. We're not, no. Um, I mean, I don't know. I think we could all list. I mean, what do you guys think? I mean, there's, I think there's a lot of little things that we say and do for each other, um, that aren't always
3: super kind. So I think we all have have stories like that. Yeah. Uh, I I agree. I think part of our culture is relationships are so foundational to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and singleness is almost like a taboo almost where it's like, oh, like, totally. do you have it yet? Or if you're not, it's like patch on the back, it'll come. Yeah. And that to have success or to live like the fulfilling life, it's like you have to have the relationship. Yeah. I think a lot of people feel like that and a lot of the success in our culture, I think it comes along with that. Totally. Yeah. I think mine really are a mix of
4: these other two guys. I think for me, like, I was really shocked to find out how hard it is to meet people mm-hmm. or even just, like, how small um, your kind of dating pool, and I'll put that in quotations, becomes after you leave college. Like, I don't think anybody ever mentioned that to me. Um, like I just graduated college less than a year and a half ago. And it's like the only women I see are at the church. Right. And for me as someone who works at the church, it's like, it's almost like an added pressure. Mm. And so that was one of the other shocking pieces is I think one of you guys made it sound like just this pressure to date and, and also the pressure to do it right. Cause Mm. it's like, oh, if I mess it up, everybody's going to know, like, cause I'm only with like our church people seven days a week for the most part. It's like, if I screw this up the whole world's going to know my business, the whole world's going to know what happened. Right. And so there's almost like this added pressure and like this burden Mm -hmm. on your shoulders that like in reality shouldn't be ours to carry. Um, but I think I've been, I've been shocked with almost that pressure that no one inherently says, but that you kind of feel from the people that you're around. Yeah, totally.
0: Yeah. That's a thing. Yeah. Let me ask you this. So, uh, I often hear people say there are so many godly amazing women in the church that don't get asked out and that phrase is usually followed by Christian dudes suck, right? Or something yeah. something I've along heard those that lines, 10 right? 10 times in the last year. And uh, <laughs> and while I don't agree that Christian dudes suck, the reality is yes, there are a bunch of really amazing women in the church that aren't being asked out. But I think talking about that from the standpoint of pressure I think is interesting. Walk someone through the pressure that you might feel that might help someone realize, like, well, one, why do you think there are so many amazing women that don't get asked out, and does
4: pressure play a part in that? Yeah, it's a really good question. I'm going to try to process as we go. Okay, do it. Um, I feel like there's a lot of answers to the question you just asked, honestly, um, but as someone on, on my end of things, that sentiment that there are a lot of really awesome godly women, um, in the church and particularly in our ministry is true. Like that's a true sentiment. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I definitely wouldn't disagree with that. Um, I think that almost becomes pressure in and of itself yeah. is like, look how amazing these girls are. But then like, you always hear like, what are the guys doing? Like, And not that that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, but it almost puts you in the place of like, oh yeah, you're right. Like I got to be on 150% to reach the expectations that people are creating around me or like 150% to be the man that this really awesome godly woman deserves, which she does deserve a really godly man, right? But it almost makes you feel like you're starting at the bottom and you have to work a lot harder to get up to reach their level, if that makes sense. So would you say like, guys don't ask because they feel like they're not worthy of those women i think more often than not at least that's the case in my own life yeah right is that like oh we're not we don't deserve that or it's like when we get into it it's like oh we're in over our head kind of thing because she's like better than me
3: yeah yeah i I think a lot of this too is rooted in the idea of just our culture Mm -hmm. back to our previous discussion of Sometimes it doesn't make sense to us. We're like, wait, wait a second. You know, why, why, why are these godly people not in a relationship? And I think some of that, too, to answer is that, you know, singleness is has its purpose too, right? A lot of these godly men you see, God could be moving in their lives, and like, hey, I'm not, I'm not calling you yet to a relationship because I want you to know me more, mm-hmm. and I want you to know my word. And I want to prepare you for before I put you in a relationship with this amazing godly woman. Yeah, totally. And so Mm -hmm. I do think this is a season that God uses both single women and single men to draw them to himself and to know them more deeply and to to show them, you know, what does it look like to walk side by side with Jesus before you kind of introduce someone else into that walk. Yeah, totally.
2: Well, I mean, for me, I think sometimes that singleness um, can bring with it sort of a a known and manageable level of pain.
1: Mm.
2: So, yeah, it hurts. But it's a hurt I understand um, and have learned to deal with. Whereas rejection also hurts. And it feels like a completely avoidable variety of pain. Mm. And so sometimes (laughs) I think there's that level of just, if you don't ask, she can't say no. And Mm. worse yet, she can't do the thing where she says, why would you even ask me mm. um mm. does that make any sense yeah totally
0: dude, i think that's so insightful man and i want to press in on that because i think it's something that people might not think a lot about but i think as guys especially you know i i talked to a room full of girls a few weeks back and one of the things that the girls had talked about was the feeling of you know almost helplessness of, you know, you like this guy, but if that guy doesn't ask you out, then you're just kind of stuck there liking this guy. And there's a loneliness Mm. that comes from feeling like, is there something wrong with me? Like, am I doing something wrong? But I think on the flip side, you have guys who have the privilege of asking, right? And the opportunity to ask. But any guy that's ever asked out a girl knows, you walk up to her and you have that courageous, I'm going to ask her out. And any guy that's ever been shot down knows there's a unique pain to, to rejection that if you experience that enough, it almost makes you wanna stop asking in a way. So walk us through some of y'all's experiences with rejection and just help us better understand what kind of goes through your mind and really what that feels like to be on the receiving end of rejection, even if it's a nice rejection, even if it's you know a simple, hey, thanks for asking, I'm not really interested. Walk us through kind of what that experience is like.
3: I'll kind of open up about this. And my story um, is I, I haven't dated since I would say I trusted in Christ, and I'm just seeing amazing life transformation from him. And it's kind of funny. I kind of want to spin your question before we okay. go to these other guys. And for me, it's I haven't personally experienced rejection um, since kind of doing this in a godly way. But I have the fear of like, how do I do this in a godly way? Like, what does it look like to take initiation and initiate the conversation? You said to have that approach. And yeah. what does it look like to actually date in a godly way? So some of mine is not as much stemmed from experiencing rejection, but just the fear of how do I actually do this in a godly way? Yeah. Dude, that's really
4: good. Yeah, I think um, one of the things that I would like to say and um, – even going back to like the last thing we talked about is like, I hope this doesn't sound like we're like sitting here whining, like, Oh, we've got too much pressure on us. (laughs) Like, Like, I hope it doesn't, (laughs) I hope it doesn't sound like that. Um, I think really, truly, honestly, for me, it just reveals a lot of insecurities. Um, and a lot of insecurities of like who I think I am versus who God says I am. Mm -hmm. And even like who I am created to be, um, in pursuit of a woman. Right. And so, um, I think it really just kind of peels back the layers. And, um, in my life when I've been rejected, I think I've really latched onto those things, honestly. Um, it's like, Oh, if I've messed up once, like surely I'm going to mess up again. Or like, Oh, if I failed that one, once or twice, like surely the third and the fourth times are going to be a failure as well. And so for me and probably other guys who have experienced rejection and especially multiple times, right. It's like, it almost becomes the expectation mm. to fail, and that's a terrifying thing. Yeah, and totally. that's why a lot of guys, I feel like I've noticed, um, just don't feel comfortable even making that first move, and they like tiptoe around the bush because they're just wrapped up in the the idea of failure or even just the insecurity
2: that they may have felt from the past. Yeah, totally. You know, I think um, I think one of the hard things is that um, sometimes you want to know why it's a completely natural, you know, human desire. Like, all right, well, well, why, you know? And one of the the things that's been freeing for me is that a, they don't have to tell you why, like yeah. they, they, they don't have to tell you, they don't have to give you notes. It's just, <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. No resume. Right. <laughs> but the second thing is that sometimes maybe even there's not a why, like even if they were willing to articulate, this is why, they couldn't because there's not a definite reason. It's just a no. It's kind of like if you ask someone what flavor of ice cream they wanted and you gave them a couple choices and they chose strawberry. And then you said, well, why not chocolate? They might say, well, I just wanted strawberry. And, you know, you can press all you want, but that's what they wanted. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and so, so I think the hard thing about rejection is we want to treat it like a thing where – there's always a definite answer and they'll always tell you what it is. And they'll always be able to articulate it right off the top of their head in that moment when just none of those things are true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a
4: really interesting thought, Brian. Cause I think like that idea of like trying to find out why you're rejected or why you experienced that almost implies that like we need fixing on our own. Yeah. 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 I and mean, I, th- I think this is such an important
0: conversation to have because I think, you know, on the one hand, there are a bunch of amazing godly women who look at godly dudes and, and, and they say, why don't you ask us out? Like, we want you to ask us out, why don't you, right? And then there's the very real feeling of rejection that I think every, everyone in this room on some level can say, It's it hurts, right? And Brian, I love the way that you articulated that. Like, it's a unique variety of pain that we can completely avoid, right? And so I think that one of the things that's really been convicting for me over the years is coming to a place where I recognize that if this person made in the image of God is worth the respect and worth the boldness to ask out, rejection just part of the game, right? And I have to learn how to accept it in a way where, according to her point, from an insecurity standpoint— I mean, rejection absolutely plays on all of our insecurities, right? And Mm -hmm. so how can I come to a place where I'm spiritually and emotionally healthy to where I don't find my identity wrapped up in that rejection, Mm -hmm. right? That their rejection of me doesn't send me spiraling into, oh my gosh, I'm the worst. But I have the ability to separate that from, cool, like she said no. Move on. Move on, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yep. Which is so much Harder to do, it's, so, it's, it's, it's so easy to say, right? But to actually like whack that out is so hard. How do you guys feel like we begin to like develop that sort of like grit
3: in the way that we uh, ask out girls? It's a great question. Yeah, I, I, I go back to I really do think, and you said it perfectly, Josh. The foundation is that relationship with Christ and building that, and it kind of goes back to your. First question earlier is, you know, what are some joys you have found from yeah. singleness? And the biggest joy for me and the biggest thing I take away from my single years is just learning that God is sufficient for me, mm. which sounds simple, but it's taking a lot of time to come. And yeah. my favorite verse is 2 Corinthians twelve nineteen, and it's Paul saying that Jesus told me, "'My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness.'" Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And that right there really does summarize a lot of singleness for myself is understanding who I am in Christ and just full reliance on him. And that there's so many things in the world that culture tells us to, hey, build your empire. This is what you need. But it's not until I realize, and I'm stuck at this every day, that Christ is my rock and mm. building that foundation and knowing Him more every day and totally understanding that He is sufficient for me. And I think that kind of goes back to what you just said: is once we have our confidence in Him, is when we can then I think feel ready to then step in confidence into our relationship, knowing that we have Him, no matter what. Totally, it's good, dude. That's really good. It's really good something that I wanted
0: to ask you guys is there's a, you know, we've, we've talked about this some about the pressure and fear of rejection and stuff like that. But I think that it it can be really difficult to be a Christian guy with all the pressures and expectations and, you know, all the things that come with quote pursuing a woman. Well, right. In your experience, what's been the most difficult thing about being a Christian guy in the dating scene?
3: I would say the toughest thing for me. So this goes back to um, a discussion that we've had and um, on our time together. It's just kind of you know what are some tough things that come with singleness, and I think lonely was one of them. And something for me that's been really tough is learning how to control my desires and yield those to God. Mm. Um, and so I know that's been one of the toughest things and. You see these relationships, and in this, you know, culture we're in, and, and you want that, right? It's all over our culture, mm. on TV and in movies, and um, it's something that, as a single, it's it's like you feel like you're missing out if you don't have what the culture has yeah, and what I the totally. world has and what they value above everything. And really learning how to control my desires mm. um, and really yield those to God has been um, one of the hardest things to do, but also I would say one of the most rewarding as well. That's awesome. I think, um, one of the hardest things for
2: me has been just dealing with reality that every woman I date, um, is someone who's made in God's image and infinitely precious to him. Right. And so no matter how this goes, no matter how the date goes, um, man, this is my sister in Christ and I got to make sure that whether we go on one date or we go on, you know, a hundred dates and get married, that this relationship is, is God honoring and Mm. that she feels, you know, cared about and and safe and all those things. And there's just a lot of pressure when you think about like, this is an internal being that God loves. (laughs) Where do you take someone like that? You know, what's a... (laughs) HG supply. (laughs) I think you're right. I think That's the
4: move. (laughs) wow that's really good Brian yeah that really really puts things into perspective yeah yeah I think I'll just be really honest and I think kind of vulnerable for a second um the hardest thing when it comes to like being like I'm gonna put in quotes good Christian guy in a relationship um is I think even even that label can cause me to go down the route of shame Mm -hmm. a lot um Because like no relationship is perfect and there's going to be um, sin against each other and with each other against God. Um, And the hardest thing I think that has been for me, and I feel like a lot of other guys that I've walked with, is just that cycle of shame and how it really drives a wedge, not just between you and your significant other, but also between you and God. And so if you are two people running the race towards the Lord... Um, and you're caught in this cycle of shame for for what is what has happened between or with you two, um, whatever that may look like. Um if you don't give that to the Lord, right, if you don't confess to community, if you don't walk with community that's encouraging you, that that gap can grow. And I think for me, historically that's been a pattern in in my life. Like I'll just I'll just own that and be honest. Um but overcoming that can be a really hard thing, and learning how to preach the gospel to yourself can yeah, be totally. a really hard thing. Like applying it to other people can, can seem a little easier, but it's weird to like preach the gospel over ourselves sometimes. Um, but I think for, for my guys who are in relationships and they find themselves going down the route of shame, um, I've been there, and, and I'd still go there sometimes, um, but just know that there's a way out. Like you don't have to you don't have to stay stuck in the mud. Um, like Jesus doesn't ask you to stay stuck in the mud, and um, there's a way out, and and that looks like healthy healthy confession and being in life with community, kind of like what we've talked about, um, and just having a healthy heart of repentance and honestly open communication and clarity with the person that you're running towards the Lord Lord with, um, and that's really fun and sexy to say over yeah. a mic on a podcast, but even those things we as men will fail at, and I know I've failed at. Failed that so many times, but it's that idea of just picking it back up and keeping going and keep pursuing and keep running. Um, because when you sit down and say like, "Oh, I'm tired. Oh, this has been a lot. Oh, like I'll never be good enough. Oh, I'll never do this or that," that's when you start to lose. And I don't want our guys to lose. Yeah, dude, I think that's so insightful, man. Because I feel like when it comes to
0: shame, right, we can kind of swing from a few different things. And I think one is we feel shame of don't call me a good Christian guy because you don't really know who I am, Mm -hmm. right? If you really knew who I was, then you wouldn't call me a good Christian guy.
2: Yeah, that's a thing. Yeah,
0: right? a thing. But then there's also this other side where we can tend to hide it and think, I can't let people know about this because what if this defines me? And what if this defines me in a way where if the community knew about who I really was, then... There's no redemption. And I think that we live in a culture that's oftentimes defined by one or two mistakes. That becomes who you are, mm-hmm. right? And I think that—and um, I'm so I'm so glad, glad that you brought that up because it's so easy to allow shame, one, to define us, even if it's not being defined by anybody else, but we define ourselves like that. And then I think that oftentimes we think, okay, well, I'm undeserving. I can't ask anybody out. I can't even do this thing because— this is kind of who I am. And the reality is that's so contrary to what the gospel mm-hmm. says. Right? Mm-hmm. The idea that, you know, do we fall short? Yes, but the old is past and the new has come. Like that's, that's a, a thing that I, I think you're at. Right, like we do need to preach the gospel to ourselves over and over, especially if your background is one where, yeah, maybe you've made some mistakes and you haven't handled relationships all that well. It's never too late to experience the redemption that Christ offers us, you know?
4: Yeah, it's so good. So true.
0: Let me ask you this. What are some of the things that have been really frustrating? I feel like we've, we've touched on this some, but there are things that are, you know, shocking. of like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that was going to be a part of this, right? But what, like when you walk through this season, what is like genuinely frustrating
2: about the season of illness in the church? You can tell we all have a lot to say because you can't see us, but we're all sort of silently like, <laughs> did you go? Did you like What's going? I, I, everybody sat up I, straight. I, <laughs>
3: I'm, I'll, I'll go here. Um, I, I, I think some of the hardest things is I think our culture builds a lot of things. I don't want to say off couples, but I, I mm. think we build a lot, lot of things off relationships. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to call it like the third will effect, but oftentimes I see myself even doing like a church event or hanging out with friends. Oftentimes it is kind of like the third wheel vibe. I'm just kind of like hanging out, you know, doing my thing, trying to look for other single guys to like mingle with. Yeah. Um, And I think a lot of, a lot of the, the frustration, or not really frustration, but I would say kind of a lot of the the tough parts of being single in our, in our society kind of come from that. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's almost in a sense, this feeling of
0: inferior sounds so, like demeaning, but like there's there's like almost a feeling of oh you're not in a couple therefore you're less than or you're f- yeah f- figure it. and like I felt for that real. for a long time and I feel like that is uh I mean yeah that's a a truly frustrating thing to be like I'm. I'm single. I'm not a leper, right? Like I'm not, you know, I'm not an, you know, like what's happening. I don't have COVID. Right. Totally.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I know for sure. I had a test.
0: (laughs) Yeah, dude, that's a frustrating thing when like so much of our status is built on,
2: are you in a couple or are you not? Yeah, totally. Um, So I have one, I think in Christian world. And the hard thing is that everybody is theologizing pretty much all the time. Mm. And a lot of the time, people don't know that they are. And so, sometimes people say ugly, ugly things about God without meaning to. Mm. Um, and one of the ways that that can happen is when we treat having a, you know, a spouse, you know, having a wife, I guess, in our case, um, as a reward from God mm. rather than a gift from God. Mm. Uh, marriage is a gift. Mm -hmm. It's not a reward, right? So as a single guy, I've got all kinds of issues and all kinds of ways that I could grow and become more like Jesus. But the reason that I don't have a wife yet is not that I don't love Jesus enough. Mm. You know, this is a situation where, um, in Matthew chapter 5 Jesus you know he's doing his he's doing his thing doing the sermon on the mount and he says something that people miss sometimes he says you know love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you and in this way be like your father who is in heaven who causes his sun to rise on the evil and the good and rain to fall on the just and the unjust and what that reminds me of is that God is gracious and kind to everyone mm. All the time in a multitude of ways. And one of those ways is that he he lets some of us get married, right? Mm-hmm. And so any time that you treat marriage as a reward that you earn for loving Jesus enough, instead of a gift from God in a way that God is showing his kindness and mercy to you, um, that's hurtful in yeah. a problem. Totally.
4: Mm-hmm. That's really good, Ryan. I think, like, for me— and you both are obviously so much more spiritually mature than me.
2: <laughs> I'll go
4: ahead and call it frustrating. Um, one of the things for me is almost a synthesis of both of what you both said. Remember that time I just said both twice? That was crazy. Um, we'll get it in post. Yeah, is <laughs> um, almost like the currency that our world puts on relationships, like what you're talking about, Sai. And even in the Christian sub-bubble, there's so much currency put on relationships. Like there's a reason why we have so many relationship series mm, yeah, in totally. young adults ministries, right? Cause there's just so much currency put on it. And when I say that, I mean like before you even go on a date with a girl, like your homies, you'd be like, Oh, like are you going to marry her? Ha ha. <laughs> and like, I'm sure on the girl side, there's probably a lot of that too. Yeah, right. Totally. It's like people are talking about marriage before we've even sat down and had a conversation. Right. Yeah. Right. Like that it's is, like, a, hey, can we get our appetizer first before we start talking <laughs> about marriage? <laughs> yeah, for real, yeah. for real. And so like, I think, I think, and I've, I've, I've done this before, too. Like, even creating those expectations of marriage is an unhealthy thing, kind of like what Brian's talking about. Like, marriage cannot be, like, an expectation that we all, like, spiral through life. Like, oh, I deserve this. Yeah. Like, I deserve marriage. And I think, like, that stems from a lot of the currency that, like, we put it in. And so, it's honestly, it's frustrating, but it should be encouraging Because I'm going to, like, there's a paradox here Mm -hmm. because as Christians, like, we have something to put our hope into. Like, we have something to put our currency into. Yeah, totally. Whereas, like, the world around us really doesn't. And so, if anything, we should be better about navigating this idea of, like, putting your currency in the wrong basket or putting your eggs in the wrong basket. Maybe it's a better way to say it. Um, So, like, for me, it's frustrating when not only other people do that, but, like, when I do that. Like, Mm. when I fall into that slope of putting too much currency into a woman or a relationship and I think that's how people get burned. Like, I've burned people m- on my own by creating those expectations. And so I think it's just something, like, we can be frustrated by, but also, like, we could all use a, l- a lot of growth in. Yeah, totally.
2: I just wanted to kind of agree with and affirm what you were saying. And I think kind of a corollary to that is that it can make dating really hard and awkward because, like, maybe I just want to have dinner yeah. and see, see where it goes yeah. But for us, you know, they tell us all the time, date with marriage in mind. And sure, great, fine. But, you know, like you said, can we find out if we want mozzarella sticks or nachos before we talk about...
4: Um, <laughs> Does she like marinara? That's important.
2: It's <laughs> like, we're going to be a marinara family. No, that ranch business. <laughs> uh, no,
0: dude, honestly, I feel that. I think there's, yeah, there's so much pressure in the church to know Sometimes even before the date, right? Where I feel like going back to our conversation on why guys don't ask out girls more often. I know that in the past I have felt whether it was kind of implied or it was actually told told to me of like you you need to have a pretty good idea that this is marriage material before you even ask this girl out, you know. And I think that um, when we go into asking someone to get dinner or asking someone on a date and we go, go from, Hey, I think you're awesome, but I would just love to know you more. Would you want to go out on, you know, on a date when we go from that to, I have to be like 90% sure that this could be my wife before I even ask her out. One, I'm going to ask out fewer people, right? Because that's, that's heavy. But then two, Even on that date, I'm looking at that conversation through a drastically different lens, right? And I think that that's such a a crazy thing. I think that as believers, one of the ways that we can love single people better is by just saying, hey, it's just dinner. Like, treat her well,
3: be kind, be clear, but it's just dinner.
4: You don't got to get a ring size. Yeah, totally,
3: (laughs) you know? Something on my heart with singleness that I've learned, and it kind of, I think it taps into all this discussion that we've had. Is like a lot of the vibe around singleness is like kind of like stagnant. Like, hey, just kind of like hold on, Mm. you'll make it. And then when the relationship comes, it's sometimes like we see it's like a reward or or, or like, hey, okay, now you've earned this. Yeah, I think we lose sight of just the gift that singleness is and how we can have an effective ministry being single. I mean, you look at like Jesus and Paul, and I mean, the list goes on. C.S. Lewis, the people who were effective in their ministries as single. And I think of a verse in 1 Corinthians seven seven nine. And those who are listening, if you want to kind of more explore this topic of Paul's approach to singleness and what it is, I think 1 Corinthians 7 is great at that. And he says, yeah. I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God. So being married or being single, to the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am, but if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. And something I really take away from that is, like, it's also a gift to be single. Mm-hmm. And it comes with a purpose, too. And, you know, we think about, you know, we, I think we break this down to, like, as Christians, kind of what is our life purpose? And I think our life purpose is to really glorify God in all that we do. And what's great about our single years is I think it really, we kind of talked about it earlier, it's just that undevoted time that we have for our ministries, just to run towards God and to be in community and develop ourselves spiritually before we kind of step into that relationship. And so that's something I always have to remind myself, that this isn't a time of, all right, man, just just hang on and wait it out. You're going to make it. pat on the yeah. back. But just thanking God every day that this is a gift and and how can I use it to glorify him? Yeah, dude, I completely agree Once I got married,
0: I found that I was, I wouldn't say better or worse, but I was a different kind of pastor once I was married, Mm. right? Because my time changed, and, you know, I had this privilege of being a single college pastor for a long time, and so if a dude wanted to go get Whataburger at 11 o'clock at night, I could go get Whataburger at 11 o'clock at night. And now, if a guy calls me at 11 o'clock at night asking if I want to go get what a burger. I'm like, are you out of your mind? Like I've been in bed for four <laughs> hours, man. Like I've like <laughs>
4: my wife's in nursing school. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally.
0: And so, you know, it just kind of changes the way that you minister because, you know, you now have a new responsibility that once upon, upon a time you didn't. And I look back on my years as a single pastor specifically with such a fond memory because God allowed me to do so many things that I don't necessarily get to do anymore. Um, Granted, I get to do other things now that I didn't do before that. You know, like there was a certain time where I was like the quintessential singleness guy guy on the panels. That's like, oh yeah, that guy. You know, and so now people actually want to know about relationships, which is neat. Which I'm like, you you, you don't know me, I don't know anything. But uh, the point point being, it really is a gift that if we can see and t- take advantage of it and not waste it. Uh, God could really do some amazing things.
3: Josh, what comes to my mind is, again, 1 Corinthians 7, and, and our boy Paul here just preaching on the same thing you're talking about. He says, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the mar- unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be wholly embodied spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, about how to please her husband. I think that really goes to your point there is, you know, in these single years, it frees us up from a lot of these anxieties. Oh, totally. Totally.
0: Let me ask you this. Um, Are there any aspects of singleness that you
3: think the church should be more vocal about? I would say a lot of it is just talking about it. All right. I think in our culture, we kind of talked about how it's really taboo. And I would even say in the church too, and a lot of the things we do, I think, are around, like, hey, like, how do you... It's funny, when you do, like, a relationship series, a lot of times singleness isn't a topic, or if it is, it's kind of like a like end-of-the-notes type thing. Yeah, like, hang in there. Yeah, <laughs> for all my people, shout-out, my singles out there. Right. <laughs> yeah. um, and so I think just kind of talking about it um, is, a, is a big step. Yeah, yeah. totally.
2: You know, um, I think one thing that... Um, The church could be more vocal about and do differently, um, is just ultimately we're all called to be faithful to God in whatever life situation we're in. Um, we all have the same goal you know, faithfulness to God and Christ likeness, right? And so, honestly, what the church could do and be more vocal about is just, um, don't forget about us. Um, you know, even just acknowledging that single people exist um, would be nice, um, you know. And I think sometimes we're kind of second class citizens, and there's sort of a feeling of just, well, you haven't managed to find someone to love you, and we don't really know where you belong, so we're going to put all of you together. <laughs> And hope that maybe some of you will find love with each other and the rest of you, we won't have to see, um, you know, and I mean, we, we joke and right. uh, no one would say those words out loud. Totally. But, but you know, here it can we are feel that way. It can feel that uh, way sometimes. Uh, for yeah. Sure. For sure. Brian. Yeah. And so, so that's, that's probably a thing that I would appreciate is just maybe some acknowledgement and some, some sense that, you know, ultimately whether you're single or married, God calls you to faithfulness Hmm. and to obedience to the commands of Christ. And you know, the specifics of that, it's going to kind of look different. It's different to be a faithful single person than it is to be a a faithful husband and a faithful father. But does that make any sense? Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah.
0: I I feel like there are times when, before I was married, when I almost felt like I couldn't contribute to the church unless I was married, Mm, you know, that that there's almost a value of, oh yeah, find a wife and then you can contribute. Right. Mm -hmm. And obviously that's false. And and anyone would say, no, no, no. Like single people are valuable members of the body. But there's also times when it feels like, I don't, I don't know what to do with that. You know? And I think that even just talking about it in, you know, illustrations and talking about it in just as just a normal thing, as if it's just cool, you're single, you're married, you have kids, you don't have kids, you're an empty nester. like just you know identifiers but not an identity, you know, mm-hmm. and I think think that oftentimes we make singleness an identity as opposed to this is an this this is an identifier of a specific season that you might might be in, and maybe not even season. I think that even calling it a season gives it the idea that like this will come to an end, and maybe not, like maybe that's
3: how God has called you to be, and that's his gift for you. You know, this will be a size hot take is I think single people are if not the one of the most valuable groups for the church, to be the hands and feet of the church, right? We talked about just that undivided attention and time that they have. kind of Paul talks about free from a lot of the anxieties and stresses and time commitments that a relationship brings, and we talk about and you know, sending people out into our communities into the world, to the nations to our workplaces to, to serve. I mean, you talk about just being the hands of the church and who has the time, and um, I think singles can really step into those roles to be very effective for the church. Yeah, totally.
4: Uh, I have an idea, and this just pops into my head. Sermon series, right, or something at least the church should be talking about more, I feel like, is just how to love your single homies better.
2: Mm.
4: Not that, like struggles are unique to single people because when you get in a relationship, your struggles change. When you get married, your struggles change. When you have kids, your struggles change. So I'm not trying to say that, but I feel like one of the things that doesn't get talked about a lot is that, um, when single people remain single and their friends get into relationships and get into marriage, they can almost get left behind a little Mm -hmm. bit because your communities change. It's like when you get married, it's like, okay, I want to go be with my married friends, right? right? Like surely that would be healthy for my marriage. But if you look back, you might have two or three single friends who never got married and they're just kind of still over there alone. And so as like your community changes when entering and moving further in relationships, um, maybe even just like that idea of like, hey, married couples, like you can still bring your single friends along without it being weird or third wheelie, right? Like we were talking totally. about earlier, you engaged people, like you can bring married couples and single people along and it won't be weird. Like although the life stages are a little different, like, there's a lot of ways we could all be loving each each other better, right? Yeah. Just, like, similarly, I could be love, loving my married friends better, right? But I think that's just something that we've never really talked about is kind of, like, when your friends start to get, and I hate that term, left behind. Um, <laughs> but when they get left behind in their singleness. Like the reaction. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it can feel kind of, like, in like exile or ostracizing thing where it's like, oh, he's still single
3: and he's just over there alone. I think that is a great point. And it's something that I've experienced in my times in community where I've had guys that I'm in community with kind of get married and they go off and you're kind of left. I think one of the biggest things we can do as a church is to step into that and really just stress the importance of community for singles. I think this goes back to what we said at the beginning where, you know, God said that it's not good for a man to be alone, but he's not saying that for like just being married, right? It's, it's that even if you're single, it doesn't mean you're alone. It means you're still built and your purpose is still to be in community because community really is that catalyst for growth and life change. And I think it's important that we make sure that singles are doing life with other singles and in in community. And so I think making sure that we're uh, really focusing on that is important too as a church. Totally. You know, um, I just want to kind
2: of brag on some specific people in my life that have done this, uh, really well. Um, they're Christ chapelites too. You might run into them at some point, but, uh, they were my neighbors for a long time. Uh, Zach and Abby, uh, Zach is a student in the same program that I am. And, um, Zach and Abby have just become dear, dear friends. And they, um, They invited me to dinner pretty regularly, you know, and if I happened to be at their house when it was bedtime for their kids, I might read their kids a bedtime story. Mm. You know, Uh, I bought their kids Christmas presents. They got me a Christmas present. They made an intentional effort to be my friend and let let me be part of their lives. And that's not a thing that they had to do, Uh, but they did. Uh, They chose to do that. They did that work. And uh, in doing that, they made my life better. And so probably what the church could do as a whole is, if you're not sure, maybe try to be a little bit like Zach and Abby. Mm. Um, You know, just invite us. Uh, Let us be part of your life in some kind of way. Mm. That's good. That's really, really good.
0: Mm. Last question. If you could say anything to single ladies,
3: one thing, what would you say? Find a man who is in love with Jesus and his word. I like that.
2: I would say that it's easy to devalue what you have while you hope for what you don't have. Um, I think one of the deep yearnings of our, of our souls is to be chosen by someone and loved by them, even though they know us. They know everything about us, and they still love us. You know, that's the, I think, the the deep yearning of so many of us is to be loved in that way. And I don't want to be schmaltzy, and I don't want to minimize, you know, that it's hard sometimes to be single. But it's also easy to forget that Jesus already loves you like that. Uh, No matter what happens, no matter if anybody has the courage to ask you out or not, Uh, you are chosen and precious and loved. You know, those things are settled and God has spoken in a definitive way about who you are and how much he cares for you in the person of Jesus Christ. Follow that Colton. I really don't know how
4: to follow that. (laughs) (laughs) Brian said, here's the gospel. Your turn Colton. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) No, that's great, man. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that, honestly. Um, I think, yeah, for me, my, my two words are be patient. Um, and I say that to young, young men and women alike, but spe- specifically for women, um, just because I feel like they, they have a lot of pressure on them too, right? Like there's a ton of pressure in, in being a woman and being a godly woman. And um, to all the ladies out there, even if our words as men or our actions as men may not seem like it, you are still worthy right? And you have a father who loves you more than any man on this earth can. Um, I, I myself have not been the best at, at, at loving, um, a lot of the really godly women in my life before. And and I own that. Um, but, but be patient with us because, because we're trying to, um, figure out how to pursue, pursue women better. That's why we're doing this podcast. That's why we have guys sitting in a room talking about these things. Um, and just be patient and rest in knowing that, you have a father that loves you and your worth is not defined by us. It can never be defined by us or or we're all going to lose that battle 10 times out of 10. Um, And your pain is valid and your frustrations are valid and your impatience is also valid. Um, But just know that nothing we say or do can take away from what God already says and knows um, about you and how much he loves you.
3: And I would add too, like, don't wait for a guy to start running towards jesus with just start running right now that's good
0: that's
3: good guys thanks for
0: stepping in and having this conversation i'm excited for people to listen to Woo! all right <laughs> thanks y'all all right so as we close uh brooke i want to get your thoughts on something specific I think one of the things that I saw happen in these episodes is there is this cycle that is happening, whether we realize it or not. And I don't know if I could have articulated this beforehand, um, but what, what I saw is that we have women who feel rejected when men don't ask. So they want guys to ask more, which makes total sense. But then we have men who will ask, and when they get told no feel rejected and therefore either ask less or just stop asking altogether. And so there's just this constant cycle of feeling rejected. Um, Brooke, how do we interact with that? How do we keep that cycle from continuing?
1: Yeah, I think um, that's such an interesting thing to try to like wrap our brains around. And I honestly, I found it kind of ironic. I was like, wait, women are mad at men and men are kind of frustrated with women but we're all scared to death of rejection. So maybe that's why something's off. Like, that's kind of the key. And I think, yeah, it was so interesting to kind of have that revelation almost in hearing, hearing these conversations and thinking back on them. Um, I think that we also have the answer to it, though. Like, I think as believers, um, our identity can and should affect how we interact with everyone around us, including and maybe especially in the midst of dating and going on into different parts of that with someone else. Um, I think that was a big takeaway for me as well. Um, And I think, too, like if the church, if we want dating and those relationships in the church to look different than the outside world, we have to let our identity shape everything. And right now, I don't think it is. And so I think that's what both the guys and the girls kind of pointed out, whether or not they realized it. And something we've gotten to talk about and reflect on after hearing these conversations is yeah, something's off. But I think we have the key, and I think it is that we need to learn and to realize that our identity is rooted in Christ. And if we allow that to take over and affect our thought pattern, our decision-making, and our actions, we're going to be able to interact with the people around us and love them better in some really cool, I think, kind of life-altering ways. Because the reality is you are fully known and fully loved by God, regardless of where you're at, Regardless of what your life has looked like, you are fully known and loved by the creator of the universe. The same God who spoke the world into being knows you and loves you and calls you by name. And Josh, I I don't know about you, but for me, that gives me almost an obnoxious amount of confidence. Right, and that that confidence should also be shaped by humility, because I also <laughs> realize my identity is a sinner, right? Um, and that doesn't disqualify me from being loved and known. Um, but that humility kind of gets mixed in with that confidence, which I'm thankful for, as I'm sure the people around me are as well. <laughs> but I also think that we have to let that identity um, determine not only how we step into dating and those things, but also how we process when things don't go the way we want them to. Um, I think that idea that like, you know, I'm dating so much points out and the guys and girls, but I think really the guys pointed this out a lot of this idea of like, man, the way the church even talks about dating is like, oh, if you're not dating, there's something to be fixed in you or about you. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like dating is not for you to, it's not because of your abilities or your gift mix or, your charisma or anything like that. Like dating should be about that you are so secure in your relationship with the Lord that you want to love someone else in a way that points to that, whether you're the guy initiating or you're the girl responding to being asked. Um, I think that's a really big key takeaway. Um, you know, God lets us be in relationship with one another so we can see and know more of Him, not of ourselves or even our significant other. Um, he wants us to see and know more of Him, not be completed by anyone else, because He makes us whole. Um, You know, in 2 Timothy 1, 7, Paul writes um, that God didn't give us a spirit of fear, which is something, again, the guys and girls really talked about a lot. Um, He didn't give us a spirit of fear, but one of power and love and self-control. And when I think about that, um, it's such a bummer for me that we let fear dictate so much of our day-to-day, and going back and thinking through these conversations Um, it's just, again, like I said, it's kind of ironic that everyone on each side of the equation is just scared to death and kind of living and operating out of that. Um, I think the key is, like, if we want relationships to be healthier and the dating culture and the church to be sweeter, then we've got to be people acting out of power and love and self-control and not fear. My motive for being kind and honest and secure you know, regardless of my relationship status, should be because I'm already loved and known, not so that I can be. Um, And I hope that that was a takeaway for you as well, if you're listening to this. So yeah, dating is hard and weird and scary and can be (laughs) really messy. Um, But I think if we learn to see ourselves rightly and the people around us, I think that's a key too, then I think that we as the church will look different than the world around us and how we interact in all relationships. And maybe things won't seem so off.
0: Yeah, that's really good. And I honestly could not agree more. And so our our hope in all of this is that uh, you feel less alone, um, that you feel like there's some answers to some of the things that are really uh, bringing frustration and that we, we can really rely on the Lord in that way. So Brooke, thanks so much for uh, being a part of this.
1: Of course, thanks for having me.
0: And we'll see you next time for another installment of Something's Off.